and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on uh, Spotify and some of the other platforms that we're broadcasting on. Uh, my name is Warren Landis, and I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And I tell you, <laughs> uh, I am recording uh, today's broadcast as usual from my apartment in Greenville, South Carolina. And it is raining cats and dogs this morning. We're having heavy rain, lightning, and thunder. And so it's uh, uh, quite <laughs> a weather event outside. Uh, I don't know what the weather is doing in your part of the world. Hopefully you're having good weather today. But even if not, uh, it is a great day to be studying the Word of God. And especially this week when we have been devoting our attention to uh, the last week of Jesus' life here on the earth. Uh, we find that um, Jesus uh, was very busy during that last week. I'm sure that it was a very difficult week for him as far as the human flesh is concerned, bearing in mind he was 100% man but 100% God. But he also knew what he was sent to this earth to do. And he was more than willing to do it. But he also went through a lot of suffering in the process, and he did it all for us, for you and me. He died on the cross for your sins and mine, and he rose on that third day. And because of that, we too know that this life is not all that there is. One of these days, we're going to live forever in a place called heaven, if we love Jesus, if we know Jesus as our Savior. Now, of course, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's going to be a very different story. Because if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then you're going to find that uh, what you have to look forward to is not something to look forward to at all. It's eternity in hell. And hell is a real place. It really does exist. Uh, there's real fire and punishment in hell. And it's not really the will of God for anybody to go there. But if you reject God, there is, of course, no other place for you to go. Now, today, we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And then we'll get started with today's Bible study. Dear Lord, we just want to pray right now that you will be with me as I teach your word. Lord, help me to say everything you want me to say. And Lord, help me not to say anything you don't want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, let's uh, get out our Bibles. And uh, we're going to be turning in our Bibles too. Um, let's see, I've got it marked here. <laughs> I'm using the actual Bible. I'm not using a digital Bible today. Um I'm using my Thompson Chain Reference King James Bible. And here we see um, in Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 33. Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 33. Peter said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. Verse 34, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt 
deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said all the disciples. That's in verse 35. Now, notice here that Jesus is predicting that Peter will deny uh, Christ. And, of course, this comes as a shock, I guess, to Peter, too, because he says, uh, Lord, no, I won't be the first to defend you. I'll, I'll die for you if I need to. I will never, de I will never deny you. But yet, Jesus said, before the crop shall crow, you'll deny me three times. And we know from our study of Scripture that's exactly what happened. Peter denied Christ three times, just like uh, Jesus said. And, and you know, the other disciples, uh, they said the same thing. But, you know, it's very interesting. When the time came for Jesus to die on the cross, uh, the disciples pretty much deserted Jesus, except for John. In fact, uh, to the best of my recollection, John is the only disciple that was present with Jesus at the cross. And, of course, uh, John was asked by Jesus to take care of his mother. Now, bearing in mind, under Jewish tradition, it would have been the responsibility of Jesus to take care of his mother even beyond the grave. And so he asked that John do this. Now, Jesus, of course, had some half-brothers, and some people might say, uh, why didn't uh, uh, Jesus select one of his half-brothers to, uh, you know, uh, take care of their mother? But the reason for that is because they were not believers at the time. They were not true believers at the time. And I guess he felt like John was probably the most spiritual of the bunch. And of course, we know that John was the only disciple. John was the only disciple not to die a martyr's death. But even he suffered greatly for Christ. Uh, in fact, they tried to boil him to death in oil. That didn't work. And when that didn't work, they exiled him to the Alapatmos. And back in those days, when you were sentenced to the Alapatmos, I mean, that was paramount to a death sentence. I mean, that was actually paramount to a death sentence. Uh, they didn't have food service staff or uh, medical staff there. Uh, it wasn't like any of the jails or prisons in our day. Uh, when you got sent to the Alapatmos, uh, you had to fend for yourself. You had to catch your own food and cook it as best you could. And needless to say, many prisoners died right there on the Alapatmos. I mean, seriously, they died right there on the Alapatmos. But, uh, but not John. John would live to be an old man and die of old age. Uh, tradition tells us that John uh, died in Ephesus and possibly, very briefly, uh, pastored the church there at Ephesus before he died.
Um, so John was a very remarkable uh, disciple. He not only died a martyr's death, he, he lived to be an old age, something the other disciples did not do. And that might be another factor behind the decision of Jesus to ask John to take care of his mother because he knew that he would probably live longer than the other disciples, even if they were believers. Okay, now let's uh, read on. And uh, here in Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and heavy. And then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but thou wilt. And then he cometh to his disciples, and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went again uh, the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came out and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away and prayed the third time, and saying the same words. Then he came out to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest, and behold, the hour is at hand, when the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. That's in verse 46. We'll stop there for just a moment. Now we find that they come to Gethsemane. Now, some Bible scholars believe, and I tend to believe this as well, that this was probably... Uh, a regular place where the disciples would go and pray. Now, one of the things I think about when I think about Jesus in Gethsemane, if Jesus felt the need to pray, all the more reason you and I should feel the need to pray. You know? You and I should feel just as needful of prayer as Jesus did. Because Jesus himself took time out to talk to his heavenly father. And like I say, many Bible scholars believe, and I do too, that this was probably a, a regular place of prayer for Jesus and his disciples. A place where they could go and get away from the world and just simply pray. Now, by the way, I think that's great advice. 
it's great when you can get away from the cell phone and you can uh, get away from uh, the internet and television and radio and movies and just simply concentrate on God and the things of God and pray and seek the will of the Lord. I think that is such a wonderful thing to do. And um, and I don't think we do it enough. Uh, most of us as Christians, if we're honest, we would have to admit that we fall short in the prayer category. We don't spend near enough time in prayer. In fact, if the pastor were to get up and say, okay, Tuesday night or Wednesday night or whichever night, we're going to come to the church and we're going to do nothing but pray. There's going to be no preaching. There's going to be no singing. We're just going to pray. <laughs> How many people would come? Oh, I'm sure some would come, but probably not many. And I think it's very sad that we don't see more about the importance of prayer. Uh, because prayer is an important thing. It's a very powerful thing. Uh, when I pray, I can expect things to happen. When I pray, I can expect the impossible to happen. Because I recognize that things that are impossible with man are altogether possible with God. For example, I, I know that God has healed me many times. And many of you, if I were to interview you on this radio program, you would tell me the same thing. You would say, Warren, you know, God has healed me many times. Prayer is powerful. I don't think we recognize enough about the power of prayer, because if we did, we would spend more time doing it. Now, I do believe it's important to note that prayer should never be done as a public display or performance. You know, I'm afraid some people, they get up when they pray in public and they do these long extended prayers because they want everybody to see how holy and spiritual they are because they have such a long prayer to pray. Actually, some of the most spiritual prayers I've ever heard were really rather short. It's not the amount of time that we pray that impresses God. It is what we say, and not only what we say, but how we say it. Prayer is indeed and in fact a powerful thing. And then, let's see. Um, verse 47, we're going to pick up where we left off. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great multitude of swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whoever I kiss, I shall kiss, the same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith they came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, 
Wherefore art thou come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And one of them, which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and smote off his ears. And Jesus said unto him, Put up thy sword into this place, for all that they that shall take the sword shall perish with the sword. Now, by the way, we are told in other places that Peter is the one that actually cut off the, the, the ear of the high priest with the sword. And so we see how impulsive Peter had the tendency to be. In a way, uh, Peter is defending Jesus just like he earlier said he would. But nonetheless, Peter was told by Jesus, put away your sword, because he said those who live by the sword die by the sword. And we're told in another place that Jesus put the ear back on the high priest. In other words, Jesus was not resisting. Jesus certainly had the power to resist had he chosen to do so. But he also knew that had he resisted, he would not have been able to die on the cross for my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole world. And so he accepted the agony of the cross so that you and I could have our sins forgiven. And that's why the cross is sometimes referred to as the world's greatest love story. As it tells us in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's because of the great love that Jesus had and still has for both you and me that he was willing to die on that cross. And that's why on that original Good Friday, when um, Jesus was on the cross, it was very dark, darkest night from about 12 noon to 3 p.m. And that's why Jesus cried out, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, even God the Father couldn't look on his son on the cross who was fearing your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world. And yet he did it for me and you. Now, one of the things I want to point out is the fact that the cross is not the end of the story. It's a very important part of the story, but it's not the end of the story. Because we know that three days later, Jesus rose up from the grave. Death could not hold him. <laughs> you know, on my Facebook page yesterday, one of the things I put on my Facebook page yesterday was... Uh, uh, 
the question, why did Jesus get buried in a borrowed tomb? Well, first of all, it was prophesied, as you know, in the Old Testament, that Jesus would be buried in a borrowed tomb. That was prophesied. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. But also, you could say Jesus knew that he wouldn't need that grave very long. He would only need it for three days. Amen? Amen. So why purchase a tomb as a permanent possession when you're only going to need it for three days? Three days, Jesus rose up from the grave. Amen. Praise the Lord. In fact, on the very next broadcast, we're going to be zero inning on the resurrection. And I'll say it right now that the resurrection is important. Because had it not been for the resurrection, then what Jesus did on the cross wouldn't have amounted to anything. It would have all been in vain. But because of the resurrection, you and I can say we don't worship a dead God. We worship a risen Lord. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> we worship a risen Lord. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And Jesus still rules and reigns in the lives of people today. We can thank God for that. And that's why Easter should be the most exciting time of the year for us. You know, there's that sense in which every time you and I go to church on the Sunday, we are, in effect, observing the resurrection. It was because of the resurrection that the early believers decided to move the day of worship from the Sabbath day to Sunday, the first day of the week. That's the great impact that it had. And even though the disciples at the time of Jesus' death, even though the disciples followed Jesus at a guilty distance, the bottom line is, after the resurrection, after the resurrection, the disciples were willing to die for Jesus. And all the disciples, except for uh, John, died a martyr's death. Now, of course, uh, Judas died. But now Judas died, betraying his Savior for 30 pieces of silver. And the Bible tells us Judas went out and hung himself. Now, I would be willing to say this. I would say that the Bible makes it very clear Judas was never a believer. I would say that Judas was never a believer. He never did believe in Jesus. And that's sad because he had close access to Jesus. He had access to Jesus that others did not have. The disciples trusted him with the disciples' treasury. And yet, it appears that Judas was never a believer. And because of that, I don't expect to meet Judas in heaven. I don't think Judas is going to be in heaven. 
He was never a believer. He betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And he told the religious leaders, he said, the one that I kiss is the one you want. And so a, a kiss, which is normally a sign of, an, of affection, in this case it became a sign of betrayal. And that's exactly how Judas betrayed Jesus. And, and notice that Judas must have known, like the other disciples, that this garden in Gethsemane was a regular place where the disciples would come and pray and get along with God. And so Judas took advantage of the knowledge that he had of Jesus' routine and shared this with the religious leaders. And notice here at this point, it's the religious leaders that are persecuting Jesus. It is the priests and the Pharisees and the scribes. They are the ones persecuting Jesus. It's not the secular world. It's the religious leaders of that day. In fact, all throughout uh, the ministry of Jesus, we find that it was the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests and the religious leaders, they are the ones that were a thorn in Jesus' side. And they are the ones that were attacking Jesus at every front. Very sad, but very true. So I hope that this is going to be an Easter weekend that is very special for you. When you focus on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now in our next Bible study, we're going to zero in on the resurrection. We're going to zero in on the empty tomb. And by the way, I'll say this right now. The tomb was not empty so that Jesus, I mean, the, the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that you and I could see for ourselves that the tomb was empty. It not only was empty, it still is empty. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen Lord. Amen. Praise God. I get excited about that. You know, that's what makes Christianity stand out from all the other religions in the world. Because only Christianity claims that our God is still alive. The other religions, they could take you to where their God is buried, but they can't claim that their God is still alive. But our God is. And God is not only still alive, he is still active in your life, in my life, in the lives of other people. God has a plan for your life. God wants to use you in his service. If you are a Christian, he has a plan for your life. And the most exciting thing you could ever do is to do whatever it is that God wants you to do. Right now, we're going to have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I want to pray right now for the people listening to this broadcast. Lord, I want to pray that you 
will move them to accept you as, your, as their Savior if they haven't done so already. Help them to see, God, that you love them so much that you died for them on the cross that first Easter and you rose up from the grave victorious over death. And that's just a foreshadowing, Lord, of what we have to look forward to. So, God, we thank you this Easter season, and we pray that we'll be used of you to share the biblical message of Jesus with the lost and dying world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, by the way, if you have a Bible study question, or if you have a... You know, a prayer request, I would love to hear from you. My um, email address, and that is the quickest way to contact me by email. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And then I have a snail mail address. That means uh, you can contact me the old-fashioned way with the postage stamp and everything. And you can send your letter to Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. It's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. I would love to hear from you. And I hope that you'll write to me today. Well, that's uh, going to pretty much do it uh, for this particular broadcast. Uh, I tell you, this uh, broadcast that I do every day, I look forward to it with great amounts of anticipation. I can say very truthfully, very honestly, this is my favorite part of the day. When I get on the Internet and I get in front of this radio microphone, and I teach you the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.